Uh, so, like she said, my name's Andrew. Um, before we dive in, I, I want to make sure that I invite all of you. Uh, every, Tuesday, every Tuesday evening, except the last Tuesday of the month, come to my house from 6 to 9 for a free dinner. Um, we've got a fenced-in backyard, so bring your kids. Last time, this past Tuesday, we had like 17 people. We had chili, uh, soup, and just a whole, a whole bunch of fun. Um, so every Tuesday, 6 to 9, come to my house. If you want my address, come and talk to me. Um, my wife's not here today. She's actually working today. Um, but I would love it. It would be a gift to me if you all showed up at my house and we just packed the place out and had to open all the windows because it was so hot in the house. Um, so speaking of gifts, I don't know what you guys shared at your store, uh, around, your, around your tables, um, but in, in West Michigan, and maybe just because we're human in general, uh, I think a lot of us are pretty good at giving gifts, uh, but not super great at receiving them. And what I mean by that is, so like when we're kids, when we receive a gift, sometimes we pay too much attention to the gift itself, right? You ever, you ever buy a gift for a kid and you spent so much time and thought and energy and effort and you wrapped it really nice and they rip it open and the worst thing happens, they just break down and cry because it's not what they wanted. Like sometimes we put too much focus on the gift or not any at all where they open the gift and they say, oh, and they move on to the next and they just completely move on. Um, as adults, we tend, instead of focusing on the gift, we tend to focus on getting even. And what I mean by that is like when somebody holds the door for you, uh, you walk through, what do you immediately do? You run to the next door and pull that one open for them so that, so that they don't owe you or you don't owe them or anything like that. You want to you break even. Or if, or if uh, somebody gives you a ride, you immediately like, oh, I'll give you gas money. Here, I'll give you gas money when really it was just a gift. Or, or you know, somebody buys you lunch, then immediately it's bam, I'm going to take you out to lunch and help you out. Uh, or maybe it's just like a, a little bit of lunch money or pay for a movie or, or you know, you sneeze and, and so they say bless you and so you don't owe them. You throw pepper in their face and they sneeze just so you can say bless you. And it's, <laughs> it's silly, uh, but we, kinda, we kind of go there with, with our gifts. Uh, one, of the, one of the not worst gifts, I'd say, that I've had, um, maybe, maybe the silliest, when I was like 9 or 10, my parents threw a big party for me at Craig's Cruisers for my birthday. And I knew it was coming, and it was awesome, and I got all excited. And we walk into Crick's Cruisers and into the party room, and the entire room is decked out in pink Barbie stuff. So I have all of my school friends coming, and we have this Barbie-themed party. We had a blast, but nine, and, nine or ten-year-old me was just like hurt inside that we didn't have like Power Rangers-themed party or like Mortal Kombat, <laughs> something like that. Uh, sometimes we're kind of bad at receiving gifts. We want, to, we want to get even so that we don't owe somebody. Uh, and that might just be as simple as lunch. That might be uh, something, something bigger. But what happens when we can't repay that gift? Either it's, it's too great or it's, or it's priceless uh, or you, you just don't have them. What happens when we can't repay what's been given to us and we have to just receive it? What happens when we can't replace or repay that gift. Or on the other hand, what happens when, when we receive a gift and that gift becomes more important to us than the one who gave it? So that's, that's kind of a problem too. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a group of people who received a gift. And we're going to kind of break, uh, break it down, this group of people, and I want you to place yourself within this group. Uh, which, which of this group of people do you relate to the most? So Jesus, uh, right now, he's on his way to Jerusalem. Something uh, unique about Luke um, is a lot of his gospel orients around Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. And then Luke, in the book of Acts, begins to write about the Spirit and the disciples and the apostles going from Jerusalem out into the world. So for the third time, Luke places the story 
when Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's going to be up here on the screen. I'm reading out of the ESV. At your tables are the NIV. It'll be a little bit different, but you'll be able to follow along. So Luke chapter 17, we're going to read verses 11 through 19 and then work our way back through it. So follow along with me. 17 verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. There's a few groups of people going on here. Uh, there's this one group of, of ten lepers. Then in that group, we have, we have nine that did one thing and, and the one uh, that, that did the other. Off the bat, I want to ask you, who, who do you relate to? Rhetorically, you don't have to say it out loud. Uh, as, you, as you heard that story, who do you most relate to? Now, let's, let's kind of work our way through it. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He entered a village, was met by ten lepers. First question, what is leprosy? Uh, So leprosy, um, it wasn't just one specific uh, disease. Now, uh, most of it, maybe not most of it, but but what brought about some of the fear in the culture around what leprosy was, was modern-day Hansen's degree. Did you just wave at me? Hi, disease. Um, Didn't know if that was to me or someone behind me. Uh, Modern-day Hansen's disease. So you begin to lose feeling in your fingers uh, and and you have spots on your skin. So when people saw that this was coming, it was was contagious and infectious and dangerous. So uh, these rules were kind of set up to to provide safety for uh, people in a community. Uh, Yet the people who were suffering from these diseases were now sort of isolated and outcast. But this could be a, a variety or a range of different things that just kind of show up on your skin just to be safe. And so over time, uh, these people that would go through this, they weren't able to worship with their community. They were isolated on their own. Um, They weren't able to see their families. And we come across a group of 10 of them who stood at a distance. Now, normally when Jesus comes into contact with somebody, it's like face-to-face, person-to-person, close proximity. Um, One of the things that if if you had leprosy uh, and you were unable to to be involved with the community, you had to stand at a distance and and, and warn people who were coming up, like, hey, I'm unclean. You don't come by me. I'm unclean, until they moved on. And so they're shouting to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These 10 lepers, we don't know much about them. We don't know where they're from, who they are, uh, why they're in this specific area. But they said, Jesus, Master, which is a term used so far in Luke only by the disciples. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They lifted up their voices. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. Now, typically, when Jesus heals somebody, again, it's close proximity. I mean, it's, it's, closer, it's closer than we are. He has a habit. The last time he came into contact with the leper, uh, the leper came down and, and kneeled before Jesus, and Jesus touched him, which is a huge no-no. 
But that's how he normally does things. This is different and for a reason. He, he calls out to them and says, hey, go to the priest, show yourselves to the priest. And as they left, they were cleansed. Now, they had to go to the priest be, uh, because the priest was the one that could look at the spot on their skin or uh, wherever it might be and say, okay, yeah, you are healed. You are welcome back into the community. So we get this sense that this group of people has been ostracized and, and cast out. Jesus is offering them healing. Now, he didn't heal them right then. He said, go, and they did. Show yourselves to the priests, and as they went, they were cleansed. Imagine the step of faith that each of these men took. They weren't healed in the moment. Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priests, and they said, okay, we'll do it. And on the way, they were cleansed. The amazing uh, first step of faith on their way to the priests, they said, all right, I'm going to buy into it. They had heard who this Jesus guy was. Obviously, they're calling him master from a distance. They know he's got some, uh, some seriousness to him. They know he can treat him well. He's got something for them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And this is, this is the point in the passage where the ball kind of drops. We don't know who these lepers are. We don't know where they come from, uh, why they are where they are. And then we hear about the one who came back who's a Samaritan. And the people of God, the Jewish culture, the Jewish people look at the Samaritans and say, you don't worship right. You worship the same God, but not in the right way, not in the right place. So when Luke says this, this is like a, no, there's no, there's no way it was a Samaritan that came back. If you fast forward 2,000 years ago, uh, there's this like visceral uncomfortability in this word. When the hearers hear this, when the Jewish people hear this, that a Samaritan came back, uh, it's, it's kind of like today. I mean, pick the, uh, pick the group of people that causes uncomfortability in a conversation. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, it could have been either a, uh, you know, a, a Democratic uh, voter or a Republican. You say one of those names and half the people in a room are like, good, that's, that's not the person that should be coming back. Or, or, or today it could be you know, a refugee or, 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 or an immigrant. One of, those, one of those groups of people that for some reason we've chosen an issue to, to kind of elevate over them as human beings, it, it causes uncomfortability and that's the person that comes back, the one who's not supposed to. And he shows up. He is a Samaritan. Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, people heard that, heard that it was a Samaritan. That's the heretic. That's the one that we don't want anything to do with. And he has stumbled upon the grace of Christ. Jesus points out, that there were 10 people who were healed that day, who were given this incredible gift of healing, and only one comes back. Now, what's interesting is they did exactly as he said. Go and show yourself to the priest. They did. Jesus points out there's only one of them who came back to give thanks to God. And that person is the person who should never even have been in contact with Jesus. Jesus said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Uh, this one, the Samaritan comes back with this incredible overflowing heart of gratitude. And Jesus says, rise, your faith has made you well. 
That word, made you well, uh, is the Greek word sozo, which is salvation. He, he's been made whole and well, right with God because of his faith. Luke puts so much uh, focus on the fact that this one came back and showed a heart of gratitude for the gift he was given. Jesus was impressed. Luke was impressed. Now, I said there was three groups of people that we're going to break it down into. The ten, the nine, and the one. So let's say all of us are in this group of ten. We've all received this incredible, miraculous gift of healing. Their lives are about to change. Not only that, uh, you imagine one of them is a Samaritan, but in this group of people is a Samaritan with other believers, which means they were, they were outcasts. When, when we become desperate for community, uh, they found each other, this sort of like group of misfits. All ten of them, their lives are going to change drastically. Uh, the sort of rhythms of unrest are going to be put to an end. They're welcomed back into their community with this healing. They can worship. They can, they can, they can go to work and see their families and hold their children. They are going to be transformed, which is wonderful. All ten of them receive this gift of healing, and they go on their way. Their lives are going to be totally, totally different, but the nine missed something. They go on with this incredible, transformed gift. Their lives were absolutely changed that day, and they were freed from some of that oppression, some of the the disease that has been riddling them in their lives, in their relationships. But they're missing out on something. It's heart of gratitude that the one had. I think it's by no accident, right after this section in Scripture, Luke talks about the coming of the kingdom. The, 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 the lives of the ten were transformed. The lives of the nine were transformed. But what did the one receive that the others didn't? Jesus says, rise. Your faith has made you well. Jesus blessed the lepers with freedom and healing. And this one comes back and responds, thank you. Sometimes we put so much focus on the gift that we neglect the giver. Now I want to point out something. Uh, This one who comes back with a loud voice of praise, when Luke is writing and putting together this gospel, he's he's asking people uh, who saw these things firsthand. Luke didn't see them firsthand. So he's asking people to recount this story. Uh, And he comes to find out Jesus healed this group of lepers and one apparently was masquerading through the streets shouting with a loud voice of praise, right? Luke heard this second or third hand, which means this man was seen giving a loud voice of praise to the Lord, which means maybe he made a fool out of himself. But whether or not he he did, he was known to be the one who was giving thanks to Jesus for the gift that he had received, giving thanks to God for the gift that he had received. And my question for us, uh, if if Luke were to come into our city, into Zealand, and begin to ask what Jesus was up to in this area, uh, would the people of this city say, yeah, those people at community, wherever they go, they, they, they got this loud voice of praise for God. They seem to be living their lives a little bit differently and the community is a little better off because of that. If Luke were to come here and begin to put together a gospel of what Jesus is doing in this area, uh, what would the loud voice of praise be from the people in this room? Are we willing to receive the gift that God has given and then say thank you with our lives? And maybe your loud voice isn't literally shouting from the street corners, but maybe uh, it's just this, this, this heart of gratitude that just sort of seeps into every aspect, nook, cranny, and crevice of your life. 
And to be honest, none of us really want to be the one at our factory, at our office, at our work, at our school, uh, who never like, shuts up about their faith or shuts up about the good things going on in their life or uh, the one who always seems to be pointing to something bigger. But my question, my challenge for us is to never let our love for the gift received to outweigh our love for the giver. That we would be a people, if Luke were to come into this community, that he would be hearing, yeah, the people at community, I don't know what's going on there, but their lives are just evident that they love the creator more than creation. That they love the giver of the gifts they've received more than they love the gifts that they have received. And we love the gifts that we've received, right? And I don't know what those gifts are. Uh, in this room, it might be the incredible equipment or the incredible worship band that we had this morning, uh, or this, this awesome space, the beautiful stained glass window, or it might be, it, it might be the job that you have. It might, be, it might be God has blessed you with just an ability to analyze things super, super well or blessed you with, with land or blessed you with uh, a family, resources, whatever that might be. My question is, are you willing to say, I love the giver more than the gift? And to live in such a way that people would see your life and say, yeah, he's lifting up a loud voice of praise. That's my question. What is your loud voice of praise this morning, this week, next week? He says, as we, as we prayed this morning, we recognize the incredible things that are happening in our community, but also we recognize the absolute pain and suffering that still goes on in the world. And it'll be a little embarrassing, and we'll make fools of ourselves, but the world needs people who lift up a loud voice of praise, pointing to the giver of the gifts, the creator of all creation, uh, people who are, who are willing to, to look a little bit foolish bring a smile to the face of others who offer, who offer prayer and support and, and community and walk with one another. We will make fools out of ourselves. Like this guy, Luke heard that this guy was lifting up a loud voice of praise. Are we willing to be a people who says we love the giver of the gifts more than the gifts that we've received? And I just want to challenge all of us to look through our lives, to, to, to find out uh, where the gifts that we've received have become the end goal. I've got a number of them. I really do. But just to begin to slowly kind of recognize and point those out and let the Spirit move into that, that little corner that we kind of hold for ourselves sometimes. Are we willing to be a people whose lives prove that we love the giver more than the gifts? Let's pray. Father, you are the giver of gifts. You are the giver of life, the creator of creation. Um, thank you for the space that we have to worship. I, I confess that I often drop all of my attention to the gifts that I've received. And yet you are the giver of those gifts. So work in my heart. Father, point out in my life where I've, where I've chosen the gift over the giver. And guide each and every one of us as your scripture pours into our hearts that we might leave differently than when we came in. Help us to make your name known with our works, with our words, and with our deeds, which is only possible through your spirit, Lord. And we'll fall short. I fall short. But I thank you that even in that, You never give up. You never stop pursuing. You never stop coming after us. That is a love 
that I cherish, though often take for granted. It's in the name of your Son, by the power of your Spirit, for your glory, Father, that we pray.